0: The changing seasons can bring so many feelings to the surface, so it's more important than ever to look after you. I'm so happy to be partnering with Elemis to bring you these special episodes of the podcast, which centre on our self-care and our well-being. Elemis always seeks to empower people to care for themselves inside and out, just like we do on this podcast. So that means looking after your overall wellness from your skin to your body and mind by taking time out every day to tune into you. That could be an exercise class, a good DMC with a pal, listening to your favourite podcast, wink, wink, or just a daily cleansing moment that makes you pause and reset. I have a hectic lifestyle to say the least so cleansing is my moment to reset and I love Elemis's pro-collagen green fig cleansing balm. It combines fig, raspberry and bergamot for a fresh calm scent which has been used for centuries in aromatherapy to help relieve tension and stress and you can't argue with history Hans! I actually love all LMS's formulas. They're a mix of high-performance scientific ingredients and blended essential oils. So not only do you get visible results by soothing your skin and your mind, you have a moment of mindfulness too. For your mindful moment, head to Elemis.com. Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Today, we're going to have a good DMC about everything mental health with the host of one of my fave podcasts, The Real Pod, Victoria Garrick-Brown. Like me, Victoria is all about destigmatizing conversations about mental well-being and body image through relatable chats, so I'm really excited to be talking to her today. In this episode, Victoria tells about her journey from first experiencing mental health problems as a Division 1 volleyball player at university to becoming a TED Talk host and CEO and co-founder of her own charity, The Hidden Opponent, which aims to help athletes and their mental health. I really hope if you're struggling with your mental health right now, this makes you feel a little less alone. We've got you, babes. Victoria Babes, welcome to Rain. How are you?
1: I am doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Go honestly, I'm so excited to have you on here, especially Seaman's, Our season at the moment is celebrating all things well-being and self-care, and I always think the best starter for talking about our well-being and self-care is not just asking how are you, but how are you really? So how are you doing really right now?
1: Well, wow. I <laughs> just had there. I, I'm like, how deep do you want to go, Josh? We, we can go straight had- in the deep end. Love it. I had therapy this morning. So I went from nine to 10. Then I came here. Um, and it was great. I, I love going, I love checking in on everything that's happening in my life and how I'm feeling. And it, it gets me centered. It gets me out of my own head. So how am I doing really? I would say, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing solid. I'm doing pretty good. I'm definitely like closer to a a seven on a scale of 10. It's always good when you're above the five and not below it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's always good when you're like registering at plus five, always. And like, this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on because you are such an amazing role model for talking about our mental health and our well-being. And The Real Pod is such an incredible podcast. And if you're listening to this right now, guys, and you haven't checked it out, Don't run right now, but run afterwards to to go listen to it. I just wanted to kick off by asking you, why was it so important for you to speak about your mental health in the first place?
1: You know, I feel like having not expected to deal with anxiety or depression um, or really struggle with my mental health, that when it did happen for me, I was so confused, so scared. I felt shame. I was confused and just didn't want anyone else to have to feel that way. And so when it came to speaking out about my mental health, it took me a while to get to a place Mm. where I even had the words and I felt the confidence to do so. But it was after realizing that this really is something that everyone is going to face at one point in their life, or they know someone or love someone who's going through something with their mental health, that that gave me the courage to remind myself, this is human, it's understandable, it's reasonable, and it doesn't make you different, bad, or weak in some way. And I just wanted to get that message out there.
0: And that is so true. And you mentioned that you didn't really ever think that anxiety or depression would happen to you. So when did you first take a step back and really think about your mental health and think, I'm really struggling here? When was that turning point for you?
1: Yeah, I was a collegiate volleyball player out here in California, and it was amazing and had so many rewarding opportunities and so many amazing highs, but it also came with a lot of intensity and Mm. a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And so it was competing as a D1 athlete that really, I think, pushed me towards my breaking point. And that's when, for the first time in my life, I was dealing with performance anxiety and didn't have the confidence in the thing that I was the most uh, – I was good at. And I had always felt fearless on the volleyball court. And then suddenly I felt like I didn't want to play. I was afraid of the, for the ball to come to me. And then that, you know, eventually took such a toll on my body, just the anxiousness, the lack of sleep, the restlessness that by my sophomore year of college, I was just in this very sad, low state of depression. And it was going through like those two years of my life that I felt like, oh, I understand what people have been talking about. Now I get what that speaker who came to my high school was saying, or that girl I used to know who said she had social anxiety. And I had no idea what that even meant. And now I felt like, oh my gosh. And I think that that happens with mental health. And I see this Mm. in my friends all the time is, and just anything in life, you really don't know until you experience it yourself.
0: Oh my God, you do not know. And when you say you had performance anxiety, what did that look like for you? And how did you first start to get the terminology in order to be able to express that and express you going through that?
1: I mean, performance anxiety for me looked like, I mean, I couldn't think about anything other than the intrusive fears I had about the game that I needed to play in later or practice. And, you know, I would not be able to sleep at night because I was worried I'd miss my alarm or I'd be late and then the team would have to run. And then I would be thinking about what do I have to do tomorrow? And did I study the scout? And am I going to play well? And what if I don't? Am I going to get benched? And then how how would I deal with that? And then you know, on the way to the gym, I felt like my heart was pounding and my hands sometimes would shake. And it's like that is also really Tough to deal with when, like, you're like, Mm. stop it. Like, you can do this, you can do this, but your body is physically having this reaction of fear. And then, you know, in a game or in practice, I just could not get out of my own head and I couldn't stop thinking. And oftentimes I'd feel like I wanted to cry before going out to play, sometimes during, and then afterwards. It was like really just this overwhelming anxiety about playing volleyball. And that's why I, it was very much a performance anxiety, not so much a social anxiety, although now I feel like I sometimes deal with that in, in smaller ways because, once again, once you go through something, I kind of feel like the door opens. Like Once you deal with something like anxiety or depression, I, at least personally, feel like I've been more susceptible to it now in different ways because my mind has figured out that anxious thought pattern and it knows it's going to like upset me or it's going to get under my skin. And so... It'll appear in other facets. Maybe it's career, maybe it's family. So um, anyways, but in college, it was very much performance-based and those are some of the ways that it manifested itself.
0: Mm. How did that then affect the rest of your life outside of performance anxiety? How did it start to affect your relationships? How did it start to affect your relationship with yourself as well?
1: I really feel like, Once it got to that place of being depressed on top of it, I felt like it affected everything. I mean, I didn't want to hang out with my friends. I didn't want to go on a spring break. I just wanted to lay in my bed and be sad and sleep and cry. And I remember one night, um, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, but his family lives nearby by the school and we went there for dinner. And like I was saying hello and I was there physically, but then I got in the car that night and I just was hysterically crying. I just broke down. And and I remember feeling like it's this weird separation of I was just with people and they would have no idea what I was experiencing. And Mm. now I'm in this car and I'm sobbing and I'm alone. And and is it going to make sense to them? And like, I think that's another thing is when you're struggling with mental health in some way, your mind starts to tell you all the ways that other people won't get it or they won't understand so there's no point in saying anything or they're going to be confused because all you wanted to do was play volleyball on this team and now you're unhappy and it makes you anxious. Like, that, how does that make sense? So I really would sometimes tell myself, like, you just have to push it down or you just have to figure it out or this means you're you're not cut out for this or... If people know this about you, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to think you're a leader. They're not going to believe in you. And um, it was really hard to to deal with those thoughts and feelings. But I really found that all those voices that tell you that are wrong. And the truth, and one of my favorite speakers is Brene Brown, and she talks about how shame thrives on secrecy and silence and it loves to quiet you and Mm. to tell you, don't tell anyone because that's how it maintains its identity and it stays alive inside you. But the moment you do pick up that phone and you call someone or you open up to someone and you say, I'm really stressed or I'm dealing with this or I don't feel okay, they're going to be there for you. They're going to ask you questions. They're going to support you. And then all of a sudden you will literally feel like this weight off your back because you're not carrying it all by yourself
0: it's so true like you need to express what's going on internally to help you start processing it like every time I've ever gone through something even if I can't even find the language for it if I say to one of my friends I'm going through this and this is how I feel but I don't really know if I'm going to be able to say it properly but even if it's word vomit yeah there'll be literal parts of that where they go babe I got you. I understand this. I yeah. can help you process it. Here's a little bit of advice to something that I've learned before. And that's the first step to starting to process it yourself is talking about it to others and changing that internal dialogue you have with yourself too. But you, what really made the difference for you and your mental health? Like what's helped you and what hasn't helped you?
1: Honestly, going to therapy was game changing for me. And I feel so grateful and privileged that I had the access to that. And at the school that I was at, they provided it for free. And I started going once a week. And I went every week for two years, my sophomore and my junior year. And then my senior year, I slowly stopped because I got to a better place. But, you know, it was really talking about what I was going through and having an expert help me look back on, you know, why do you feel this pressure to be perfect? And why do you feel like you have to achieve everything? And if you don't achieve it, what is this bad thing you think is going to happen? And is that even true? You know. And um, I had never done that before. I'd never taken like a magnifying glass to my own life, to my own past, to my childhood, to my upbringing. And it absolutely changed the way I thought about everything and was so helpful and helped me find some of those words, right, that I couldn't find and learn some tools and coping mechanisms, like whether that was meditation and mindfulness or it was journaling or it was uh, writing down, you know, the anxious thoughts I was having and then working through them with the positive affirmations of what is actually real. And so... I would say that, you know, therapy was definitely the biggest thing that helped me. And then, um, you know, it's not a quick switch. It's not like you go Mm -hmm. to one session or you do one thing and then all your problems go away. And like I said, I had therapy this morning. And, you know, I started going back in 2000, at the end of 2016. So it's 2023. Have I been going every single week this entire time? No, it's totally fine if people do that. But like mental health is not linear and it's going to be something you're working on your whole life. It's going to have ups and downs, but it's probably going to trend upwards, right? You're going to have those ups and downs Mm. going on like a diagonal where those downs don't get as low as they used to be because of what you're learning.
0: Mm. Was there like a real light bulb moment that you had in therapy?
1: (laughs) So many, (laughs) Um, so many, I feel like, you know, to what I was saying before about this pressure to achieve and like what would happen if I didn't, I remember that was one of the like the light bulb sessions that I had um, early on in meeting with a therapist was okay. Let's visualize and play out a scenario where you don't get that thing you really want. So whether that is someone thinking you know they need. To make it onto this sports team, or they have to get this promotion, or they have to get this job, you know, whatever it is in anyone's life that they're telling themselves, I need this. And for me, it was this certain starting spot on the volleyball team. And she said, Okay, let's let's say you don't get it. How do you feel? Like a really close your eyes, you get the call, it's not you. How do you feel? And I was like, I'm heartbroken. I'm so sad. I'm, I'm crying and I'm angry and I'm so upset. And she said, "Yeah, that makes so much sense. It really mattered to you." Now, how do you think you're feeling? You know, a week later, and I was like, still really, really, really upset. She said, "Okay, yeah, that that makes sense too." Now, let's say it's been like mm, a month. How do you feel now? And I was like, I'm, I'm still upset. She said, "Do you think you'd be crying every day?" And I was like probably not every day. And she kind of kept walking me through this. And what about like five months, a year later, would your friends Mm. still want to be your friends? And I said, yeah. And she said, would your family still love you? And I said, yeah. And she said, so would you be okay? And I said, yeah. And it was like that whole visualization process of the situation I feared the most that had me walking out of that session feeling lighter and feeling like, huh, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be upset, but I'm going to be okay. And so now I can actually perform better and do better in this moment because I don't feel like my life's at stake here.
0: Mm. And that's also learning to be present in the moment, isn't it? And when you're really struggling with your mental health, it is impossible to be present in any given moment, isn't it? It's one of the hardest things to do when you're really struggling. Your mind is ticking over all the time.
1: Yeah, it definitely presence is such a hard skill to to develop and to be good at. And I honestly don't even feel like it wasn't until recently I was really, I've been really understanding what it means to be present. I'm reading this amazing book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, and I actually started like a limited series podcast called So Much to Say with my best friends' book club, where we're reading a chapter and when we're recapping it, but. He talks so much about presence and I think one of the coolest concepts is like, you know how you want something in life and you're like, when I get to that thing, I'll be happy and then I'll rest and then I'll celebrate and I'll relax, but I got to get this first. Well, I'm sure you can relate to this too, Josh. Like you you have got it, right? You got that podcast guest or you got that thing or that whatever and then mm-hmm. there's the next thing and then it, it just keeps repeating. So the prompt was essentially like, If you tell yourself you're going to be present in the future, but you can't even be present now, how do you expect yourself to even be able to like do that at a future moment if you can't do it now? And it's like the irony of like, I will be present at a later date, but then when that later date comes, we don't even have the skills or the tools to know how to be present that we aren't. And so then we're just like never present. And then when I thought about it that way, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to learn to be present now. So that I can be present for everything that's to come.
0: It's so true. And the one thing that I've learned off the back of that is success is transient. It's not permanent. Like you will have yeah. that moment. It will be a very transition feeling. You're not going to have that feeling forever. Yeah, you might know, look back and be like, oh, I really achieved that. But it doesn't, it doesn't define you and you can't keep it with you forever. So the only thing you can do and work on that stays with you forever is the success inside which is working on yourself isn't it
1: mm-hmm. you're so right it's like it's fleeting it is fleeting until your ego attaches to the next thing but yeah. it's not satisfied for more than like sometimes like 20 minutes until it moves 100%. on
0: 100 <laughs> and then you have to start thinking it's like even like you were saying about podcast guests you can like have like a stunning amazing episode that does so well the next week there's another one <laughs> And people have moved on, you've moved on, everyone's moved on and you have to start from ground zero again. So you have to try and find other things to define your success that aren't always in accolades or achievements.
1: Definitely. And that's one of the biggest things I've taken from my mental health journey is to try to detach from the external validation and the external achievements Mm. and really try to recognize that like, And it sounds cheesy, but deep within all of us, we already have that enoughness and we have that abundance and it's coming back to that. Um, And I feel like, I mean, the science shows people are happier when they realize that they already have everything that they need.
0: If you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed right now, it's time to take a moment to practice self-care. I said it before, but I love Elemis' Pro Collagen Green Fig Cleansing Balm for a moment of mindfulness. So let's talk about technique. First, warm up an almond sized amount into your hands, then deeply inhale the scent. Press your hands onto your face and massage in circular movements. And finally, remove with a warm cloth for a fresh skin and mind. You'll feel like you've been transported to a tranquil spa without even having to leave your bathroom. So head to Elemis.com to treat yourself. It might make a difference that isn't just skin deep. Sometimes when you are really struggling with your mental health, you can feel so, so lonely. And your mind can play awful tricks on you and it makes you feel like, you know, no one wants to hang out with me because I'm not a nice person or no one's going to want to talk to me because I'm going through this struggle. And, you know, loneliness is a huge epidemic right now. Like one in two Gen Z and millennials reportedly feel regularly lonely. And loneliness isn't even unpleasant. It's so dangerous as well because it, like this, might, this fact always blows my mind. It increases your risk of death by 26 to 32%. That is mind-blowing. It just shows how much we need to live in community to get through everything in life. And loneliness is such a silent killer in that way. Do you think there's still so much stigma around talking about loneliness and admitting that you are lonely at times?
1: So this is literally, I, I feel this way now. And I, that's why I feel like I feel lonely and I feel like that's why I can maybe share why it's so hard because I know that it, it's hard for me to even say that because people look at me and are like, but you seem so outgoing and you're such a good mm. uh, people's person and you're at this event and you're doing all these things and you have all these people liking and commenting. But then the second I put my phone down or I get in the Uber and the event's over, like I'm by myself and I really have felt like I don't have community out here in LA where I live. Everyone's on their own thing trying to get stuff done. I get that. I'm doing the same thing. And it can feel really hard. And then you can question, like, do people not like me? Why is no one calling? Like, my best friends who I love and I feel so fulfilled in those friendships, they just don't live in my city. So that happens Mm. when we get older is you move and people move and... It's not that you know they wouldn't show up on the drop of the hat for you and they wouldn't call you if you need them, but it's different than having someone you can go to the grocery store with or you can drive to this place with. Like, And I feel like that's recently something that I've been struggling with. And when you say, like, why is it so stigmatized? I think because of this fear of like, you know, what if I say I'm lonely and people know and then they don't do anything about it? Oh my God. That's like, that would be the worst thing. Right. Yeah. And then secondly, it's like, they're going to think, what if they don't think that's true or they don't take it seriously because it doesn't look like I'm lonely because everyone's, you know, it, it seems like a highlight reel. I try my best not to make my Instagram seem like a highlight reel, but Instagram is never, it's not a camera on you 24-7, you know? And um, I had someone the other day ask me after a talk, like, how are you so happy and positive? And I was like, I'm not. I said, I am right now because I'm talking to you and I'm juiced on this event, but I'm going to get in the car and I'm not going to have a smile and I'm going to be like everyone else, you know? So Yeah. I don't even know if I'm making sense, Josh, but like it, it tugs a chord with me because it's the conversation I'm having with myself now. What about you? How do you feel when it comes to loneliness?
0: Oh my God. I, it's, I wanted to bring this up because I've really experienced it so much this year, actually. Like I've, I've had situations that even turned to my boyfriend and feel like I don't feel like I'm in my own life. And I feel like I'm so lonely on the inside, but if anyone looked at my life I've got loads of amazing friends. I have an abundance of connections in my life, but I was feeling more and more and more and more separated from my actual life and walking through life, just feeling lonely. And I couldn't put a pin on what it was. And it was so hard to then, like you were saying, turn around to someone and say, oh, I'm feeling quite lonely right now. I'm not feeling connected with myself and I'm not feeling connected with the people in my life because people just go, what are you talking about? Look at all these amazing people in your life. And sometimes loneliness starts from inside.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting when you say, people would say, what but look at all these things. They're trying to help, but they're not listening. And I've recently done mm. a lot of work with like, what does it mean to truly listen? And I need to be better at this. Oh my when God, you babe, I talk about to-
0: this all the time.
1: Yes, I, I love it. When you listen, you don't, you don't give advice back. You don't think about what you're going to say when they're done. You just take it in and then you maybe say, and what else? Or is there more? Or and keep going. You know, how do you be a listener? And so it's like your friend is trying to help you. And my friends would do the same thing. But really, what you want someone to do is just hear that and say, Well, I love you. And you know, like not invalidate it. They're not trying to. And I would probably do Mm. the same thing if my friend called me. I'd say, But look at all these things, because you're you're trying to cheer them up. But then you're not actually being heard
0: <laughs> it's so true sometimes you don't need a cheerleader you just need a listener and mm, i love it's that it's very h- hard to say that to some people sometimes cuz you're like i i want to tell you my problems but i just need to say them out loud and i don't necessarily need you to be like it's going to be fine it's going to be better because i don't need to hear that right now and it's very hard to try and articulate that to people sometimes especially when you know, those people automatically want you to feel better, but you're like, I just need to go through this. And when I was talking about feeling lonely so much at different points during this year, I just had to go through it to get to the other side. And now yeah. I feel okay about it. And then you're like, okay, great. Now you can, now you can be my cheerleader again. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. but I just needed <laughs> yeah. to go through it. It's now stop so looking at me though. like that.
1: Cause I don't want to cry. We can just be good. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like Our friend. Like, God, we're, we're, we're like,
0: (laughs) we're done with that now we're absolutely (laughs) done with that now and you know and it's also so hard as well like there's so much pressure put on us to perform or be a certain way as well and that's where I think a lot of the loneliness for me came from is because people expect me to always be Josh the party animal, Josh is on top of the table until the end of the party, Josh who turns up and gives the best conversation ever, Josh who listens, does this, does that and it's so hard to be that person all the time and especially when you put that pressure on yourself too. What kind of pressures do you think have really weighed on you or there's things that you look at social media now and you think god that is putting a lot of pressure on me in a way that I don't need.
1: Well, I mean, I I wish she lived here. I wish we could go get a lunch. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> we've got I, topics I like to discuss, babes. I
1: relate to like everything you're saying, but um, you know, I feel like I had this realization with myself like a day or two ago, is I'm just always doing so much. Like it was World Mental Health Day. It's a really important day for me. It and I wanna be there and show up for the community. And I had planned to do a video project at like nine in the morning with this news outlet. And so that means I got to wake up early. I got to get ready. I got to drive there. We're going to film it. Then I'm going to host this booth for my nonprofit, The Hidden Opponent. I'm going to interact with athletes for two hours. Then I'm going to drive home for an hour and I'm going to change and prep to go speak to 200 students at this school that's two hours away. And I'm like, I'm going through this day and I'm thinking like, Just one of the things I've done today would probably be like enough to be like the big event of someone's whole week. And I'm doing Mm. them all on a Tuesday. And then tomorrow I've got these interviews and I've got that and I'm putting and like and I thought to myself, this this statement, just because I can doesn't mean that I should. And as an athlete and someone who like never wants to give up, never wants to quit. But just because I could keep going and I can do it all and I can make it through doesn't mean that I should put myself through that because I'm going to be tired and I'm not going to have energy and I'm not taking care of my mental health. And so I think I'm really taking that with, my, with me from this past week and being like, how can I start looking at my calendar and make sure I have enough time in there to recharge and not push myself so hard? You know, do you relate to that at all?
0: Oh my God, do, you <laughs> do I relate to that? My thing is that I try to pack so much in to my schedule, it's crazy. And then i say to someone I'm like, oh, what are you doing on Saturday night? And i would be like, right, I've got a birthday here, but I'm only going to pop in for an hour. Then I'm literally going to go to my friend's birthday dinner. I'm going to be there for two hours. Then I'm going to go to my other friend's birthday drinks. And by the end of it, I've been half an hour late to every single thing that I said I was going to turn up to. I feel like a bad person. I feel like I've let people down when really what I should have done is said no (laughs) to two of the things and just done one of the things because at least that way you're not you're not annoying anyone you've been honest up front but it's this whole thing that you just feel like you need to be everything to everyone in any given day and that breeds this like busy culture and then you'll talk to one of your friends and they'll be like how are you doing like how many times do you have this happen to you like during the day every day when someone goes, how are you like oh my god I'm just so busy at the moment I'm like oh my God, like I've actually had to stop myself from saying that because it's just so annoying. This whole busy culture is so destructive and I kind of can't take it any longer in a way.
1: Yeah. You know, I completely understand what you're saying. And then you're frustrated because you're not present at any of them because you're worried about how am I, am I being energetic? And then what time is it? And how do I, you know? Um, And actually I heard this great quote that is, relates to this and it's like, when you don't want to disappoint other people so much, like you disappoint yourself. and you have to stop like disappointing yourself sometimes and realize like someone's got to be disappointed here, but I can't keep choosing it as me, you know? And that's helped mm. me a lot. Um And also, like hopefully, the people you have in your life like can respect and understand. I feel like I'm the I love to do that. If someone cancels on me, like, as long as they're considerate, like, I get it. I get it. We have a lot going on. Some days you don't want to show up. Like, that's okay, you know? So I, it's like, we we need to be honest with the people in our lives, and then we need to show grace and encourage people to be honest with us. But um, that's another thing is, like, society totally praises people who are busy. Like, if you're so busy, oh it's like, God, oh, yes. my God. Y- yeah, you work so hard, and you're – that's amazing. Like, we cheer it on with the people who don't get sleep because they're up, and they got this – And it's like the people who are like, oh yeah, I'm just going on a walk today, not much. And a part of us thinks, oh my God, like they don't, why are they sitting around doing nothing? It's lazy. But really we need to start like reframing it. And I even try to not validate it in my husband, with me, like my husband's really busy and he has two jobs. And like, I try not to be like, Well, you're like, I try not to validate. I try to encourage him. Can you take this day off? Can you say no to that? Because we Mm -hmm. need to like redefine the language around the busy culture um, so that we can also cut ourselves a break. Because I bet you're the same as me. When I do give myself that day off, I sit there and think about like, what am I behind on? What could I be doing now? I can't even enjoy the day that I took off.
0: (laughs) no way and then I'm always writing to-do lists on the days that I take off to be like well these are the things that I could get done that I still need to do and that's all I'm thinking about is like a consistent to-do list that's constantly going around in my head all the time and I think the only way to really work on that is to learn how to say no say no to ourselves and no to others like the power of saying no is such a powerful thing especially when it comes to working in your mental health and making sure that you're looking after yourself is that magic word no Right, like, have you found that the power of no has been really therapeutic for you in a way?
1: I love it. I feel like when you start to get comfortable saying no, you it is like a whole. It's so exciting, and then I'm like, oh wait, I'm saying no to a lot of things that I shouldn't say (laughs) no to. But you get like you get no happy because you haven't done it before. Um, But I also think with saying no, that a nuance to that is. It's so hard for us to recognize when we've like leveled up in our lives, where the things mm. that were yeses years ago, when you were starting your career or just new to your city or new to school, you're saying yes to everything. I wanna meet people, you know, I wanna make connections. And then you have to recognize, oh, I'm in a different place in life where I don't have to do everything that comes my way. And I recently said, notice something that. I even can't believe I like said no to it because it was this amazing opportunity but there were parts of it that weren't perfect and didn't make a lot of sense and even though I was like oh you should just do it because it's a good opportunity and it's good money whatever the thing is I'm like no because this doesn't make sense and when that month comes I know I'm going to regret it and I'm not going to have the time because I'm already looking that I'm at capacity and I'm trying to adjust and, you know, protect my boundaries. And I said no. And, you know, everyone who was in my circle was like, I completely think that was the right thing to do. And I'm like, I can't believe I felt like I would have maybe said yes. So long story short, but I recently said no to something that is like a big new no for me. And I feel really good about it.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I also did a big no recently, which was probably not like professionally related, but I said no to my first Hindu, which is Bachelorette. And I am like, basically at this point in my life, babe, I could have a loyalty card for how many Bachelorettes I've been on slash hen I believe honestly.
1: it. You seem like everyone's best friend. <laughs>
0: and I was like, no, I'm not going to go. Cause if I'm going to go, it's going to cost me X amount of money. I do not have the bandwidth for it at the moment. So I'm going to pluck up my courage to say no. I did it and I've never felt better. Now I'm starting to get oh on the God. no hype train. And another thing where I learned the power of no is I gave up drinking for seven weeks earlier this year just to see like how I felt about it. And the one thing that I got so triggered no happy with was saying to people when they said, are you drinking tonight? I'd be like, no. And if they gave me jip. I would just be like, in my head thinking, this reflects worse on you than it does on me Yeah. you bully me into drinking. So like, no, I'm not doing it tonight. And when they yeah. start saying no, I'd be like, no. And I was, oh my God. Like, it was like the first time I ever probably built a boundary in my life. And I was like, this feels fantastic.
1: Oh my God. I love that. And anyone who pressures anyone into drinking, I, I would, it's just, I would never do that. Like, it's not even anyone's business. Um, I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. Wait, when you said no to the bachelorette, how did the person take it?
0: Well, wow. she didn't reply for like a day, which always says that they're processing. <laughs> also, she might even listen to this podcast, but you know, it's fine. Um, she replied not reply for a day. And then she was like, I totally understand. But you know what? Like yeah. she understands. It's fine. We move
1: on. Which, you know, and I will say, I admire that she took time to respond because sometimes... I think we also, speaking of busy culture, we have this like immediate gratification culture where you get a text, you get a call, you get an email. You're like, I got to respond right away, right away, right away. It's like maybe she needed to sleep on it and then wake up and realize like, you know, you're just doing the best you can and of course you love her, you know? So I like that as well. And I think like we always need to take a beat before we respond to something so that we can respond as our higher self because like your first gut reaction is like your ego and your second is your higher self. (laughs)
0: 100%. And notes on your phone are the best way for that. They are your friend. (laughs) Write down that message first. (laughs) Sleep on it. Come back to it. (laughs) Because you will never, ever, ever send the first message. You will send the message your higher self the next day or a couple of hours wants to send.
1: Yeah, totally. And I also saw, I I love quotes. It was Emmanuel Acho. He put something out and it was like, it said something like the battles you engage with reveal the level you're on, something like that. And it made me think like when you get into a keyboard fight with someone about something trivial, like the battles you fight reveal the level you're on. And I've been trying to think like, I want to be above so many of the like silly back and forths that don't do anything for anyone. You know what I'm saying? They're just like petty. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah and that also goes back to the thing that your therapist said to you in a way in that how will you feel about this I always live by this rule which is how will you feel about this in five years time the five-year rule if it's if you're not going to care about it in five years what don't even worry about it do you know what I mean like yeah and when you actually yeah. think about your life in that in that kind of lens so many of the things you worry about day to day just do not matter
1: yeah I love that that's it's so true
0: And that's all part of the process. I think also one of the things that we need to recognize as well, when it does come to our own boundaries, and when saying no, is recognizing that other people have boundaries too. (laughs) Because how much of the times when we talk about these boundary conversations, we talk about my boundaries, my boundaries, my boundaries. And when I hear some people talk about this sometimes, I'm like, guys, you do realize that other people have boundaries too? Like, that's (laughs) something we've all got to start registering, especially when it comes to talking about mental health.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's like if you want you to your cake and you want your situation, we need to respect other people when like they have things that don't align with what we want, you know? Um, it's really true. And I honestly feel grateful, like, that my family has been really receptive to like the conversation on mental health and what I believe and I can set boundaries and you know, my mom will joke with me. She's like, She'd still be like, you can't set a boundary with me because my mom never let me set them with her. And I'm like, and did you like that? Why would you put me through that? Let's rewrite the script here, mom. You know, it's like we're joking about it. And she's like, okay. Um, but it's just like, yeah, we have to figure out what's realistic for us and also not like guilt trip ourselves because we, we're we also told that when we're prioritizing our mental health or our needs or just anything about us, it's selfish. And everyone's been told to think about others, give to others, you know, care about others. And so I think just this whole movement for self-care does encourage you, like, to care for yourself. And so it can be difficult to then think, oh, but, like, am I being selfish because I'm not putting someone else first? But here's the thing. You can't even show up and be helpful to someone and be a good friend or be a good daughter or a good sister if you don't start from a place where like your cup is full, right, you can't pour from an empty cup is Mm -hmm. what they always say.
0: 100% you can't do that. Have you learned on your journey with being open about your mental health? Have you learned that you've got more power through being vulnerable rather than trying to pretend to be strong all the time?
1: Yes, certainly. I think sometimes people will say like fake it till you make it. I could not be the polar opposite. I think the better way to live your life is being a hundred percent yourself in a given moment. And one of my favorite examples of this is: I went and I spoke at Harvard. And everyone there is so smart. I could never get into school there. And so I was thinking, like, what could I say? Like, I can't believe I'm here to speak. Like, I felt such imposter syndrome. And Mm. felt like, okay, well, you know, then you think fake it, so you make it. I got to act like I know what I'm saying and I have something to give. Like, and it's just like this false, like hype of yourself when really I'm human and I'm nervous like anyone else would be. And so instead of trying to pretend I didn't feel that way, you know, I went and I opened up and I made some funny joke in the beginning of like, I'm so excited to be here. It's an honor I have to admit, I'm not sure what I could tell all of you. You don't already know. And like everyone starts (laughs) giggling and then the ice breaks. And I feel like I take this breath of, okay, like I said my fear and my anxiety. Like I'm not smarter than you. That's not a surprise, you know? So I just love leading with truth, vulnerability, honesty. And I think it gives you more confidence in a moment because you don't have anything to hide.
0: And as soon as you say you're nervous or you're anxious about something to someone, it stops giving it as much oxygen. So if you're ever nervous, just say to someone, How are you doing? I'm like, I'm actually really nervous. And they'll be like, Oh, don't worry about it, babes. I was nervous yesterday or last Tuesday or whatever. Like, of course, it's a nervous situation. It's fine. Like, nervousness just breathes by you not talking about it. Just take the oxygen away from it.
1: Right. Definitely.
0: Before we're going to have to wrap up soon, If you could, if someone here is listening to this and they're struggling with their mental health, what is the one thing you'd want to say to them? Or like, how would you want to encourage them to talk about their mental health if maybe they haven't even spoken about it for the first time?
1: Ooh, I would say to think about the advice that you gave Josh, which is you don't have to have a perfect sentence. You don't have to know exactly what the thing is, but it's perfectly okay. And it's enough to just reveal to someone I'm really starting to overthink this situation, or I'm starting to struggle with this, or I'm noticing I'm not feeling as happy as I used to be, you know, but bringing someone in so that you're not going through it alone.
0: Mm, 100%. And you can always, I know it's such an old school saying, but a problem shared is a problem halved every single time. Even if it doesn't feel like that when you first say it, by the time you get to the end of that conversation, it might not even be straight after that conversation. It could be in a day, in a week, in a month, or even in a couple of years, you'd be like, oh my God, I feel so much lighter that I shared that in that moment.
1: I've never heard that. A problem shared is a problem halved. I love it.
0: Babe, you can take it, but I feel...
1: Like See, that's a statement, I like statement that I don't think very... has... Am I the only I one? I like think it's quite... <laughs>
0: Babe, I feel like it's a very British statement. <laughs> Babe, I've loved having a DMC review about everything about being open, and honest, and mental health, but we always end on this final question, which is in the reign of your life, what's the one brawl you always live by?
1: Um, oh my gosh. Uh let me think. I mean, kind of in theme with everything we've talked about, but honesty. I just think honesty is always the answer. It always helps. It always brings someone in. It helps you understand. So, yeah.
0: I love that. Just go forth and be more honest. Live your truth, Mm -hmm. honeys. That's what we all Mm got to do.
1: Definitely.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me today, babes. You are amazing. And thanks for sharing all your wisdom with us. And I'm so excited that everyone gets to hear this as well.
1: Thanks for having me, Josh. I loved our conversation and I'm so, so happy to be here.
0: Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Host. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi, babes. Me again. Just wanted to tell you about something Very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook and audiobook, read by me, no less. And it's out on the 20th of June.